podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alfstead, sitting down again with co-host, Mr. Keith Myers, here to talk NFL Draft Prospects. We're in our uh, NFL Draft Prospects series where we take a look at each position group across the offense and defenses to get us ready for the NFL Draft in April. And uh, up in this show, we're talking about wide receivers. Welcome in, Keith. Yeah, it's a, um, an interesting wide receiver group. It's probably not as deep or as talented as some of the past um, college football has been producing just this crazy list of um, elite wide receivers the last few years. This one's a little smaller, but that doesn't mean there's not high-end talent. Um, it's just you know probably about 10 less players overall from first to the seventh round um, than what we're used to seeing. Yeah, and I, I would argue it's even less than that. You know, when you go through it, uh, there's there's really good talent, I think, through, you know, four rounds. And then guys mm-hmm. that are going to be able to come in and help you do do one thing really well. They either, are, you know, burner or they're going to possess the ball really good. They've got some attribute that's going to be able to help you. And, of course, special teams, when you get into the fifth, sixth, seventh round, when you're drafting wide receivers, that's going to be a big thing. It is for the Seahawks for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I found overall that this, position group as as a group is probably i don't know the third or fourth best talented position group in the draft it's you know like you said uh in the in the past couple of years it's been the number one uh most talented position group uh this year it looks like uh pass rushers are are are, are really uh, stacked up the the um quarterback position group at least at the top four or five quarterbacks is better than any quarterback that was taken in the previous draft, I think. And, um, you know, there, there's other position groups I think that are, that are pretty deep, uh, linebacker, for example, I thought is, um, is a pretty deep uh, class this year. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Wide receivers. What do you got? What do you want to talk about? Well, um, let's start off with a couple of coaching changes that have happened, uh, in Seattle, um, where Canales, the quarterback's coach has moved on. He is, yeah, um, that became official. Yep. Yep. He's now the um, offensive coordinator for um, the, Bucks. the Bucks. Yeah, Tampa, um, which is going to be that's interesting. You know, he's going to get a chance to go down and and um, and do that. But of course, he gets the Tom Brady list Bucks. Um, so okay, so I have a question for you. So yeah. um, one of the underlying uh, stories in this is that yes, he he moved on. He was a quarterback coach for Seattle, very well thought of in Seattle. Uh, mm-hmm. Worked closely with. Geno Smith over the last three years, specifically last year in that starting role, really kind of helped Geno through that season. He moves on into an offensive coordinator spot. Usually those guys have a hand in who they want to kind of operate their offense. Is there a chance that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could get into the Geno Smith 
uh, game as far as a offseason uh, prospect to watch for them uh, as we move through the free agency period here? It might be because they're a team that, that um, you know, they're, they, Brady has moved on, you know, he's retired, he's out of the league. And so they're going to want to, um, you know, find his replacement. But at the same time, like, they were pretty bad last year. Part of that was Brady um, showing his age a little bit. But, um, you know, their defense, they've taken a lot of talent hits. And so I don't know if they're going to want to invest in a 34-year-old quarterback. But, you know, they might because they might be like, hey, look, this is a guy that we can get. Um, We can get relatively cheap to other, you know, starting level quarterbacks with experience. And it'd be similar to what they were paying uh, Tom Brady. Yeah. Because Brady always takes less um, just to help his team put a team, you know, put a quality team around him. And so getting a guy like Gino in there at the similar spot would, would fit and it would allow them to have some um, yeah. prospects moving forward of being, you know, competitive. Yeah, I agree. And it depends on, you know, where they think they're at with their roster. If they're going to blow it up, this would be an opportunity to do that. Uh, reset the, the salary cap, get younger, faster, et cetera. Go with a younger quarterback possibly, or at least less expensive than Gino probably will end up being. Um, but I, yeah, I would think that that connection there would put them in play anyway for possibly acquiring Gino in free agency and giving the Seahawks something to think about as far as competition for him. I really don't see a, a huge market developing for him, which is good news for the Seahawks. Uh, everyone seems to think when you go look at all of the uh, lists where quarterbacks might land uh, this offseason, Gino's never really in the conversation uh, about moving uh, from mm-hmm. one team to another, even though he's an unrestricted free agent. So uh, that that might be something to watch. I don't think it's going to be significant, but but we'll see. Um, the other guy that, that moved on was Aaron Curry. Uh, people may not realize that. He was kind of deep on the Seattle coaching roster as an assistant to an assistant uh, on the defensive side of the ball with, with linebackers. And uh, he was uh, went out and interviewed with the Pittsburgh Steelers for their linebacker position and um, linebacker position coach, and was able to get that job. So congratulations to him. And that's a uh, good that's a good job, a jumping off point if you want to become a, a defensive coordinator down the road. Pittsburgh does a good job of producing linebacker talent and yeah, uh, always yeah. being really good there. And so teams look to Pittsburgh. Um, as a place, you know, to to find coaching talent. So it was a good job for him. It's especially notable um, in that he doesn't have any ties to that coaching staff. So he went and kind of just earned it, basically, um, you know, showed that he could do it in Seattle and and proved to uh, them during the interview process that he was a guy that they wanted. And in the NFL, a lot of it's usually through networks and they, people hire someone that they know that they've worked with and uh that kind of stuff but he didn't he didn't really have that connection who was their longtime defensive coordinator keith butler right keith butler Mm -hmm. from the seahawks now they've got another seahawk linebacker uh in aaron curry uh that is uh, primed to to move up the ranks with them so good for them yeah um okay so let's get to the meat and potatoes of the show wide receivers uh prospects we're looking at in the nfl draft we'll try to focus on a few that are uh, might be in play for the Seahawks. I, we know that we're taken care of currently uh, at the wide receiver number one position and number two position with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. 
Um, and, uh, but that third spot, that third, fourth, fifth, uh, wide receiver is always in flux. It seems like we've been trying to solve that third wide receiver spot, um, with some continuity, uh, over the years, uh, we've drafted a few players. We've brought a few veterans in. No, nothing seems to really stick. Derek Young kind of emerged last year would definitely be in play for a guy that's going to compete for that spot next year. But it seems likely that Seattle is going to bring in another uh, young, talented wide receiver out of this draft. And, and I'm sure we'll probably mention his name in this, uh, this show. Well, and they, they kind of need to, I mean, you look at um, right now, they've, you're like, you're saying they've got two guys and then, a, and then a revolving door of, of people behind them that, that never seem to, step up and, and really produce but on top of that i mean you look at guys like lockett's getting a little older and and more expensive and that doesn't mean that the team's going to want to move on from him anytime soon but there's a possible you know the older the players get the more likely they are to be injured and so having another guy that they feel can step into that role would be a very good idea so so you know as you were talking i was just thinking yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and we've talked about that before. The Tyler Lockett situation. He's 31, I believe. Um, you know, and and he operates in a way in in uh, games where he kind of protects himself and so forth. But he mm-hmm. does seem like he's one hit away from from getting knocked out of a game or slowing down a step, which happens. You know, you just never know when that's going to happen. It happens. Obviously, both players are under contract for another couple of years, um, but now would be the time where it doesn't seem like an obvious pick to uh, Seattle for Seattle to, to select a wide receiver high in the draft, but you just never know. Seattle's got two first round picks, two seconds. They may take one of those high end up high end picks to draft a quality position uh, player an athlete that's going to make a difference and could eventually transition into one of those roles at at the top of the, of the wide receiver room. So let's take a look at it. So Quentin uh, Johnson for me is the prototypical number one wide receiver in the NFL. And he's at the top of my list as far as yeah. wide receivers in this draft. I think he's, he's the best talented. receiver in this. He's the best prospect as a wide wide receiver in this, in yeah. this draft. Just yeah. to me, it's hands down. There's like no one close. Well, he's six, four, two runs a four, four 40. So he's got all the, the attributes that you're looking for size, weight, speed, he knows how to run routes. He's got he's tremendously athletic with the with a high vertical uh, expected at the combine of around forty two inches. Um, excellent downfield guy can can stretch the field. Uh, physically imposing uh, prospect. Um, that would be so crazy, but you'd have to draft him at either five or trade down from five probably because he's I think he's going to go in the top ten. I think so too. I did a one of our mocks months ago um when we were just starting this um where he fell to seattle at like um i think at the time they were picking 14th uh and i was like yeah this isn't gonna happen right (laughs) but but he was sitting there so of course he was like i mean he's like um dk metcalf again just a little less muscle everywhere um but (laughs) as far as uh, but as far as re- receivers go, I mean, he's that kind of guy, just dominant, big, tall, hard to cover for a lot of different reasons um, type of guy. But you, I agree. He's going top 10. And now here's a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. 
The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. And if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, there is a chance that he could fall out depending on the run at the top for quarterbacks. Um, Let's just say Richardson ended up going in the top 10. That might push a guy like Quentin Johnston. Uh, down a little bit, but I don't see him getting out of the top 12 or, or 15 or so. Uh, yeah. If Seattle was wanting to acquire him, we've got picks 5 and 20 in the draft. They could either trade up from 20 if they decide to do that at some point, if they wanted to trade back and he was best player available, which could be a possibility and they have their eye on him anyway. Who knows mm-hmm. what, what they do? Everyone is anticipating that Seattle's going to draft either a quarterback or a defensive tackle or defensive end in this draft just based on positional value and need and they could throw a wrench in this thing uh we've seen it before we've seen john schneider take the opportunity to pick up additional draft capital doesn't necessarily need that draft capital in this draft they've got 10 native picks um to play with but i do anticipate them moving around to to make sure that they get their guy and if they've got their guy at the top of the draft whether it's Quentin Johnston or uh, Jordan Addison or maybe um, Jackson Smith uh, Nigba out of uh, Ohio State. It, it wouldn't be a shocker to me, I, I don't think. And this is kind of where in, in the draft, if you're looking for a top flight uh, wide receiver, this would be the the spot that you're going to look at drafting one. All right. Yeah. So, so you mentioned the name. We'll we'll start there as as the number two guy, uh, Jordan Addison out of USC, which is a little weird because he played for Pitt. But and then with yes. the USC for one year, um, is is the next guy. But he is you know six foot one hundred and seventy five pounds, runs a four three nine, and is he's got that deep speed. He's got a lot of um, his ability to run routes, change direction. He's got some really nice um, things that's going to make him a productive receiver. But one hundred and seventy five pounds. Um, been yeah, ultra productive. I'm, I mean, he was ultra productive at Pittsburgh. You mentioned that he won the Blitnikoff yep. Award as the best uh, wide receiver in the nation. Uh, he had 1,600 yards uh, receiving, um, 17 touchdowns. I mean, just really, just a nice prospect. Ended up transferring, went to uh, follow a new coach there, and um, had similar production, not quite as much at uh, USC, uh, but, but still around 900 yards. Uh, same mm-hmm. yards per catch average, eight touchdowns, um, still quarterback rating when targeted uh, was was very high at 139, similar at Pittsburgh. Um, he's just got good athletic ability. Uh, he's going to be a slot guy. This is, is the type of, that of size. yes, this is the type of player that you're going to stick in the slot and he's going to be very productive for you. I do worry about that size. Uh, you would want him to eventually put on another 10 pounds, but 
of, of muscle, but still, you're still looking at 185 in the NFL as a wide receiver. Now, when you take a look at um, Tyler Lockett, you're looking at a player that's not completely dissimilar in size mm-hmm. and about the same speed. And so um, it, they may look at, at a guy like Addison and say, yeah, that's, that's a very similar prospect that we have in Tyler Lockett. We'd like to be able to duplicate that. Let's go get this guy. I don't, I, I don't think so, but it could happen. When I was looking at, at Addison, um, it wasn't Lockett that, that popped into my head. It was uh, Doug Baldwin. Um, just watching the way he runs routes and the way that he is more of a technician in terms of his ability to manipulate the defensive back to create separation. Um, Have you watched Tyler Lockett? No, oh, I've not watched Tyler Lockett too. I know, but I know. But for it's Doug, funny because Tyler Lockett was was basically drafted to replace Doug Baldwin at some point. I know. Um, but having watched as many Seahawks games as you and I have, there there are subtle differences between the two of them. Sure. And I, like, Baldwin was one of the best you'll ever see at beating the press. Um, and, you know, there's, there's not a lot of tape of Addison doing that, but what I see of it, he just manipulates defensive backs in ways that yeah. it's unfair. Um, and so no, I elite change of direction. Yeah. Um, now if you're looking at looking for a, a Tyler Lockett replacement, um, okay. He's not the next guy on your list, but you know, he's two guys down. So let's just jump into there because of the segue. Sure. Um, it would be Jalen Hyatt. I agree. Um, yeah. he's six foot also 180 pounds. He's a little bit bigger, uh, a four two nine forty. So he's got more speed, um, than Addison does. Um, and, I mean, when they drafted Lockett, he was uh, more of a deep threat because of the, he had this, he had the speed, and and that's why I felt that that was more of a, of the 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 comparison there, um, and just a guy that can play. Um, he's got really long arms, a tremendous catch radius, yeah. um, very good at at um, catching the deep ball, uh, adjusting to you know passes that aren't perfectly thrown and you know um led the country in quarterback rated rating when targeted which you know doesn't hurt um yeah yeah Nation's he to best me, wide receiver in 2022 we mentioned yeah. the blitnikoff award uh before this yep. guy won it in 2022 so addison won it in 2021 this guy won it in 2022 so the um, thing that i'm so, noticing right at the top right away is that we're dealing with some some undersized players other than quentin slot, johnson yep Another yeah. slot, another slot player here, um, and then you know we've got a couple of guys that can probably play on the outside, and then a, st- a run of slot. There's a lot yes, of slot receivers exactly. in this draft. It, it there is, and does Seattle need one? Yes. Yeah, we do actually. <laughs> we do. I mean, you know, they, as much as they play Tyler Lockett out of the slot, they play him equally on the outside as well. Mm-hmm. And if you could have a full time slot guy in there, um, th- I think that would be a benefit be you know because if they do retain smith or even if they don't they move on that offense is designed to use utilize that position um effectively um with cro- crossing routes ex- you know getting underneath the defense etc sitting down um in open space and and um so these guys that we're talking about i think would be ideal fits mm-hmm. okay so we talked about um now how do you pronounce this last name jigba Jackson yes. Smith Jigba, uh, the four four eight six one two hundred pound Ohio State wide receiver, 
um, is, is a really good prospect. Um, he's been hurt a, a little bit and, um, he's, he's been kind of the third wide receiver on those, on those deep wide receiver rosters at Ohio state. And he's still been really productive. Um, so that's a guy that I would be interested in. Um, all these guys we're talking about so far are going to be going in the first round, you know, and maybe like a Jalen Hyatt, um, out of Tennessee would probably be in the, in the twenties somewhere just to give you a reference of, of where we're talking about guys going. Um, and, and all those guys are super talented. I just don't know if I'm seeing Seattle take a wide receiver in the first round. Um, mm-hmm. they've got, you know, you, you, you want to prioritize your position group and your needs and depending on what they do in free agency. Um, anything can happen between now and then, but it seems like we're going to go defense. It seems like we're going to go uh, offensive guard or center or um, prioritize a, a different position group, but you never know. Wide receivers is pretty coveted in the NFL and, and you can't, um, you can't teach speed and, and Seattle may want to have an influx of that. Yeah. Cause Tariq um, Young's, you know, while he's a big physical r- receiver, he doesn't bring that speed element necessarily. He can, He's not going to break away from you with a three, you know, three, um, oh, 40. He's got a, you know, three, four, eight or whatever it is. Um, so anyway, let's keep going. Yeah. So, um, you know, after that, uh, you get down to, um, uh, Josh Downs, um, another guy that is probably slated for the slot. Um, and five, you know, 10, he's 5'10", 175, not, right. not a big guy, um, coming out of North Carolina where he's had, um, uh, may throwing to him, who's an elite quarterback prospect that will come out of the draft a year from now, um, which helps, you know, as far as production and all of that. Um, but again, another, um, another small guy. Now this guy's fearless. He'll go across the middle. Um, will take, you know, is not afraid to, to for a little guy to be in the middle, but is an elite slot um, receiver prospect, not a guy that you're looking at on the outside. One of the things about Josh Downs, I think that'll be real attractive to NFL teams, if not, you know, the Seahawks is his consistency, you know, over, over four years, very productive thousand yard seasons, each, each of those four seasons. I think that's a real testament to his ability to adapt to different quarterbacks uh, and be their guy in the, in the offense. That speaks volumes to NFL teams, um, where you're you're looking for a guy that's not just a one-off guy, and um, a lot of teams will look for um, that production uh, to validate, you know, a player. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other guys there, I think uh, Zay Flowers uh, out of Boston College. A lot of folks like Zay Flowers. He's five nine, one eighty two, runs a four three seven. A lot of fast, small guys in this draft at the top, um, and and. I'm not exactly sure what that does to the draft class as far as pushing players down a little bit. Um, That's what I was saying. Like it's, it's not a bad draft class. I don't want to say that, but it's not, um, it's not the elite position group that it's been in the past few drafts because you've got talent, but they're smaller guys. They're guys that are going to play in the slot. They're not, um, you know, a guy that you're going to stick out on the, out on the, the boundary and have them just dominate as an X um out there and that's fine i mean ever you need you need uh, a variety of players but the guys on the outside tend to be more coveted yeah. and um that's why i think that you're going to see fewer 
wide receivers in round one than you normally would. And you're going to start to see them get picked up in the second, third round. That's where a lot of the, um, a lot of the, this talent's going to go because teams aren't going to, you know, they're not going to spend a first round pick on a, on a slot receiver for the most part. I mean, Seattle picked up Lockett in round two. So uh, it's definitely a, a situation where, you know, kind of watch that these guys well, are going to slide a little further than, than, than you'd think. Well, let's talk about some, uh, you know, some number one, number two body types. Um if if we can and focus on those type of wide receivers and those guys are going to go like you said between the second and fourth or fifth round and there's quite a few of them uh mm-hmm. they don't do anything completely special but uh these guys are pretty pretty talented it may fit what seattle's looking for is a third option uh Keyshawn, uh is it boodle boot sure there's no something, l something like that i know right um uh lsu out. six foot it's out Two two oh five runs a four four forty very good hands uh, does everything pretty solid has uh, great cutting ability gets an open space um, he's he's got a little bit more to him on his body type so he has an opportunity to be a, a diverse wide receiver operating some in the slot but he can also go outside for you and challenge boundaries um, he'd be a guy that I think Seattle might take a look at and you'd be talking you know mid second round type. Uh, player with him and then Rasheed Rice everyone's talking about Rasheed Rice um, again six foot 200 pounds he's not going to overwhelm you with the size but he's he's he can add a little bit of, of weight there and muscle and um, you know but I, I don't know if he's special per se he runs a four four five forty. 540 he's been productive at SMU uh, but they run some weird funky stuff there as far as getting their wide receivers open and so forth so he would have to spend a little bit of time learning um nfl offenses and so, and so forth yeah i mean people are gonna if you're looking for a number one and you start scanning this list one of the names that's gonna you're gonna come to as you go down a, a little bit it's gonna be cedric tillman um, and uh, a sec this is the second tennessee wide receiver that you're, that um you're gonna run into but what you're gonna see when you start looking at is he runs a four five forty um, and it, you can see that on the tape. He's not a guy that's going to overwhelm defensive backs. He's tall at six three, um, and runs reasonably good routes. But uh, he doesn't look like he's going to be a guy that's going to be special on the outside. He's, he could be productive. He's definitely not a number one. You need you need to put him opposite someone um, who's going to take all the attention on the defense. Uh, but he's a guy that looks like he could be. A productive NFL uh, receiver, just a possession he's more of a wide two. receiver. Yeah. yeah, 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 and I agree. I think this is a great number, like three option. If Seattle mm-hmm. was in the market for a wide receiver, you could pick this guy at the top of the third round. Seattle's got a pick there. It it would make sense to draft a wide receiver in this area of the draft, and he would be a guy I think would be on Seattle's radar. Started uh, more productive in 2021, a little less productive in 2022. Had some injuries and so forth that he was working through. He was thought of as being their uh, Tennessee's best wide receiver um, before Jalen Hyatt, you know, had a productive year. And yeah. um, but you're right; he's more of a possession style guy, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You can be plenty successful in the NFL as long as you're tracking the ball. You're a strong wide receiver. You can out position your 
cornerback counterparts and safeties and so forth. Uh, if you're really physical, if you've got the feet, if you run precise routes, you can you can be really good. And a guy that's, um, as far as everything that we've said, you could just cut and paste. Um, from the it would be Xavier Hutchinson. Um, and yeah, I mean six three four five. Um, runs decent routes, but not doesn't going to overwhelm anyone with, um, mm-hmm. you know, athletic traits, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, will be productive at the next level, but not dominant in the same way that, you know, some other guys have been. Probably third round prospect. I mean, like, can we, can we, can you do a verbal cut and paste here? <laughs> I mean, well, the interesting thing about this guy is he was super, super productive. Iowa State of all places, you know, you're, yeah. uh, isn't that where Brock Purdy went to and, and played it in college? Anyway, I so. I, he in 2021 he had uh, 83 catches, 990 mm-hmm. yards, not a great per catch average, but nonetheless, you, you're you were your quarterbacks. Uh, safety blanket a lot and then in in as a junior in 2022 he had uh, 12 games 107 catches 1171 yards um so super productive you know size length but not the speed yeah so um it's interesting with that um iowa state right because they had uh brock purdy was their quarterback um their the running back went first or was the first pick taken by the, or the first running back taken off the board last year by the jets, um, Bryce hall. Yeah. And now Hutchinson here. I'm like, that's a, that's an interesting group of talent at a school like Iowa state of all places. Yeah. Uh, to have, <laughs> right. have that kind of trio at such a little school. One of the most interesting and intriguing prospects for me in the middle rounds, and you might get this guy at the back end of the third, it could be a, a fourth round guy is Dontavian Wicks out of Virginia. He's got all the size and speed that you would want out of the position. 6'2", 212 pounds, runs a 4'4", 40 projected. Um, really productive player for them uh, over a couple of seasons. Um, when you talk about balance and route running ability and to be able to high point the ball and all, strong hands, all those things that, that um, wide receiver rooms in the NFL love, he's got. Now, I don't know why a guy like this wouldn't, wouldn't go a little higher. I'm not sure where his drawbacks are. We'll see how he goes through in the combine. This is a guy with the attributes that you're looking for. Uh, when you take a look at the combine that you hear, uh, you know, riser um, in the, in the draft and, and big boards and so forth. Dontavian Wicks, he could, he could maybe go a little earlier than some boards. If you're doing mock drafts would indicate at this point. Yeah. One, one of the things that we find is that um, when you look at big boards and stuff that's available online, you're looking at stuff that's, they haven't they haven't uh actually gone through and looked at the re- the the receivers that are down the board they're down on their board um that much they you know kind of people kind of focus at the top and then it takes time and this is the time of year where they start to get to those other guys and they go whoa these guys are better than we've been saying they have been right. and, and and that's why the, why you see them rise but i don't actually think in nfl boards they rise and fall that much i think Agreed. they 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 already kind of have an idea and it's just more fine tuning Right, and everyone else is catching up. Agreed. And, of course, and we've talked about this many times, in the uh, in the run-up to the draft, um, the Seahawks and every NFL team have access to information we just do not have. Uh, mm-hmm. The interview process, the coaches that they've uh, had all the way from high school, uh, position coaches, et cetera, uh, 
in college will talk about the, the prospects, will give them insight as to their work ethic and their habits and so forth. And then you go through that interview process. You have them in their building. You work them out. Uh, it's a it's a long process. It's I, I would love to be involved in that for an organization like the, the Seahawks um, just because that's a process that I've always been interested in but never have had complete access to. Um, we, we skipped over a few prospects and we're talking about guys like Nathaniel Dell. Everyone's talking about Nathaniel Dell. I just don't know that he has the body type to hold up in the NFL. And I don't know if Seattle would be interested in that. Parker Washington, another six foot, uh, player that runs, uh, you know, a mid four, four forty, uh, that w- might be intriguing, um, to them. Uh, Marvin Mims, Tyler Scott. Um, these are all mid, mid round guys that are still doing kind of that slot type work mm-hmm. that we've talked about. Um, so we should probably, since the Seahawks love like um, athletic freak guys, um, talk about, and I was hoping you'd bring up his name because I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it's Andre um, Isavius. Yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah, he was at the um, Senior Bowl. Yeah, guy... Um, his college was Princeton, um, of all places, but he's a six-three wide receiver that runs a four-two-nine. Likely going to be the fastest player at this year's uh, combine. And you know, you start looking at athletic traits: his uh, height, weight, forty-yard dash um, type stuff is elite. He's just going to be out there, and and mm-hmm. uh, people are going to take notice. And it's From kind what? of the D- DK Metcalf situation where. People will look at, oh, you know, he wasn't great, a great productive and that right. kind of stuff. But then you look athletically, there's no reason for him not to be. And so he has to take a shot on him. It's interesting. A guy like that, you know, ends up at, at a place like Princeton. A, there, there's a reason why he ended up in Princeton, you know, whether it's academic or whether he just didn't have any offers from anywhere else. We just don't know. I don't know at this point. Um, but he, he is what he is. And, and so I understand when he showed up at the senior bowl, Guys like Jim Nagy were just raving about him as far as his work ethic, his ability to run smooth routes. He, he was one of the best route runners at the Senior Bowl, uh, mm-hmm. very much well thought of in the interview process and so forth. So this is definitely a name to watch in the middle rounds um, as, as a player that may. I don't know if it's going to be middle rounds. Really? I think I think it's going to be like when the – at this point in the year, pre-combine – a lot of people were looking at DK Metcalf as a fourth or fifth round guy. He went in second, the round, second round, and it was a lot of it was um, he impressed in interviews. And oh, I mean, he had a uh, combine that was crazy and, too. And then his combine was freaking insane, right? right. And so it just became a matter of he, someone was gonna, someone was gonna take a chance on him. And I say take a chance just simply because he didn't have the coll- uh, collegiate production. Um, whereas a guy um, like this, he's got the college production just not against elite um elite you know talent but then he went to the senior bowl and did fine and so you know i look at this as more of a um uh a situation where you've got this super athlete and you may it may take a year to develop them to get them to kind of the nuances of stuff but it's hard for a guy that talented physically to fail if he's got the work ethic and from all from all accounts this guy's got the work ethic to make it happen 
I would say we we could probably talk about 10 more prospects in this show, and I think that we should maybe just talk about one or two. I'll bring up my guy, and maybe it's the same guy. Um, this is a guy that showed up at the Senior Bowl, and everyone was going, wow, this is the best wide receiver talent-wise at the Senior Bowl. And it was Michael Wilson out of Stanford uh, that nobody really had heard about or paid attention to at all. And the reason being is that as a freshman, he saw action in 12 games. He had 14 receptions, 126 yards. In 2019, he had 12 games, 56 catches. That was his most productive year as a sophomore, 672 yards and uh, five touchdowns. As a junior, he played in four games because of injury, 19 catches. As a senior in 2021, he played five games, had 19 catches. And as a fifth-year senior, he played in six games, had 27 catches. So not a lot of production at a guy that went to Stanford in the Pac-12. Um, you know, he's on everyone's. <clears throat> under everyone's radar 6'2 216 pounds though runs a 449 not incredibly fast but he's a guy that everyone saw at the senior bowl that was running these very precise routes and he had tremendous body control and he was able to high point the ball and really get open against all the corners and safeties at the senior bowl on a regular basis and people were taking notice and so he's a guy that i would imagine other NFL teams, as you had mentioned earlier, have him clearly on, on their radar. But when teams go to the Senior Bowl, they're looking for affirmations, essentially. What did they mm-hmm. see on film uh, at Stanford uh, for the last three three or four years against this guy? Well, he didn't have a lot of production. So at the Senior Bowl, somebody like this really does help himself. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, because he didn't have the production, but he didn't have production because Stanford, like, it was were awful. not they were not able to recruit at all during the COVID because of all the restrictions the local county had put on them. And so the talent around uh, this guy was awful. And so, you know, you're on a team that's that bad, you kind of go under the radar. But, man, he showed up at the Senior Bowl and everyone's all of a sudden be like, oh, we missed this guy because mm-hmm. um, he looked really he looked really good. Um, so... You that was you want you wanted to talk about one. I wanted to bring up one more, um, yeah. and uh, that would be At Perry out of Wake Forest. He's mm-hmm. six five. An interesting body type. Um, hundred ninety five pounds. Um, not the greatest um route runner. In fact, he's got a fairly limited route tree. Um, the only you know, knock runs, on him for me is he's twenty four in October. Yeah, I know. Um, but the. He's just, he's got, he, here's what's interesting about, about him to me is he's got that with that size, um, he can get deep on guys, even if he doesn't create a lot of separation. And we saw that, um, in the second Super Bowl with, and now the, the name, um, slipped to my mind, the one in 2014 where he had the massive first half. And then they had like yeah, New England had to remember. completely right. change their completely change their defense around the guy um, it, because CX finally you know got this guy involved. Um, he's that kind of uh, buddy type, the one that Seattle seems to always try and find someone who can do those things, um, you know, and, and be a contested catch specialist, a, a red right. zone target, um, and that kind of stuff. And and that's just kind of where I, where I, I saw him and why I, he w- he was interesting to me it was because the Seahawks have had a bunch of those guys guys that 
don't look like they're going to be all that special um, athletically other than their height, but then they, they, they stick around because Pete Carroll's clearly looking for something um, in a guy like that. So the interesting thing about A.T. Perry at uh, 195 pounds is he operated from a, a mentally a place of physicality, um, which is which is interesting to me. So he runs a 448. If you can add 10 pounds of muscle on this guy and get him up to 205, maybe 210 at 65, eventually, um, he would be a type of a player for me that you would probably have to go get in the fourth round, but he may not be ready to play in the NFL. Um, when he first comes into the league. And that's the scary part about me because, you know, you're, you've got a fourth-round wide receiver. He's got these attributes that are coveted in the NFL, and if you cut him, he might not make it to the practice squad. Uh, but he clearly needs a year, I think, of seasoning in order to be able to, to come into the NFL and make a difference, at least for me. And um, so you may, you know, you, that may be a wasted pick for me. I don't know if it would be a wasted pick because – you're like, oh, he needs a year of seasoning. Well, that doesn't mean he doesn't play at all. That means he plays. You stick him on the outside, and you let him uh, be a gunner, you let him, special teams, you know, et cetera. Yeah, it contest the boundary because he's True. a he's a guy at that height that um, he is going to pull uh, and make the the defense, you know, play the entire width of the field because him running down the sideline is dangerous. Uh, you can't just stick a cornerback over there because he'll out jump them. And so you've got to be, uh, the teams have to be careful, even though he's not, if he's not an elite guy or anything like that, he just will put pressure on a defense in a unique way. Um, and so you can use him while he works on developing his other skills and, and make getting a, a, a bigger route tree. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, there are other guys on the list. I think another guy uh, that will be intriguing to teams that has big size and um, the little slower prospect, so a possession-type wide receiver is Dante Dimas Jr. out of Maryland, 6'4", 215 pounds, but only runs a 4'5", 240. It, he would be able mm-hmm. to help himself a little bit if he would uh, go to the combine and run uh, into the 4'4s. I think uh, he'd have more teams uh, taking a look at him as a mid-round opportunity. Um, again, another guy is Jaden Hasselwood out of Arkansas, 6'3", 215 pound, runs a 4'4", 8". That's a guy, you know, these these type of body types are coveted. These guys are going to get drafted, um, but I don't know if they're, they're going to come in and immediately help you um, on the offensive side of the ball. Jonathan yep. Mingo is another one. You know, he's always, you know, if you take a look at the big boards out there, he's always in the, you know, the fifth, sixth round kind of range, but he's got, you know, uh, talk about a guy that like DK Metcalf went to the same college, Ole Miss, 6'2", 226 pound, runs a four four six forty. Seems like he would have all the attributes. Um, it was fairly productive. Why do you think he's being pushed down, Keith? I don't really know. Um, I honestly, I not a guy that I've I've watched a ton of, and. I see him as a guy that's probably going to go higher than than where I see him on boards. But at the same time, I haven't studied him enough to really come Fair. in and be like, pound the table. Yes, this guy's this guy's underrated. Um, I no, I don't know him that well. I haven't either. Um, but then you know, if you are looking for kind of a later round, um, like t- someone to take a flyer on, look at Tyler Scott, uh, the wide receiver out of Cincinnati, um, a four three forty four two nine. I mean, really fast, short right. guy. Uh, again, another slot receiver at, at 5'11", 185. But this guy has um, 
this guy's going to be a guy that's going to be a great return gun because he's a freak athlete, his ability to change direction, his ability to, you know, jump cut like a point guard in the, in the NBA um, is kind of crazy. And uh, that kind of athleticism, once you get the ball in his hands, he's going to do a lot of things with it. I think, and, and he's got great speed. So I think he's yeah. going to be one of those guys that's going to return kicks, return punts while he develops uh, a little bit more dynamic route tree, but, he clearly got the athleticism to run a very complete route tree. I agree. So if you're in the in an NFL ball club and you're looking for a slot receiver, but you don't want to spend high uh, in the NFL draft to do that, you can get this guy in the fourth round. Um, he would be a, a great find. He made Bruce Feldman's freak list coming in at, you know, his number 53 overall prospect on his list. And, and that was due to the fact that he was, he has impressive uh, strength. For his size, squatted 600 mm-hmm. pounds, did 16 reps at, at 225 pounds, maxed out at 345. Clearly a strong uh, guy at five nine and a half, 185 pounds. Um, you want a, a player like that, even if you're operating in the slot, that's not afraid to block for you as well. Some of those players, especially a third wide receiver in the NFL, that's your primary job is to create uh, running lanes and uh, make sure your your wide receivers uh, out in the flat have opportunities to to run after the catch. So uh, something to watch there. I think that's it for me. Um, yep. We can yeah, keep going. It. I mean, the list you're you're going to have another ten guys probably drafted uh, in the NFL, but we could be here for an hour talking about all these guys. And when you get deep into the draft, you know, I think we end up losing people just because you're a little wonkish when you're talking about all these all these guys. Yeah, I think we. I mean. Wide receiver is one of those positions where you look at, um, you know, you look at old drafts, look at like last year's years before, and you're looking at like 28 guys that get drafted from from in a single position. The NFL needs wide receivers. Almost every team needs another one that they can stick in there. Um, the college does a good job of producing them, and the NFL does a good job of, um, you know, beating up their knees and to a point where they need to be replaced. And that's kind of the unfortunate nature of football. Um, I mean, Doug Baldwin sure looked like he was going to have four or five more years left when he retired, but his knees were telling him no. Um, and that's just kind of, you know, yeah. the sad part about it. It's, but you've got some guys are just, uh, they need teams need a lot of them. And some of these guys just are fun players to watch. And Seattle will keep, you know, five, wide receivers for sure, possibly mm-hmm. six at times uh, throughout the year. And then they've got another, you know, three or four on the practice squad all the time. So we're talking, you know, you've got 10 wide receivers in your wide receiver room, you know, during uh, training camp and practice and so forth. Um, so you're right. Need a lot of those guys. I'm sure we'll draft one. I just don't know which one, what they're looking for um, to compete in that, in that third spot. We'll see. Yeah. Cool. Um, thanks Keith. For, uh, for all the information, you can find Keith on Twitter, at Myers NFL. You can find me, NW Seahawk, the show. You know where it's at. Find it on your favorite podcast platform and hit that subscribe button. YouTube, got our own YouTube channel. And we say this every week, but hopefully somebody will uh, listen to that and, and click subscribe. That would be great. Next time, next show is our tackle show. So come back for that. Uh, until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk, Keith is at Myers NFL, and the show is at Hawks Playbook. 
You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network.